0: Welcome to It Starts Within, a podcast from Platinum Performance, where we'll dive into the health challenges faced by veterinarians and horse owners alike. Join us for inspiring stories about the latest advancements in equine care, treatments, and comebacks. You'll hear interviews with elite competitors, innovative researchers, and the veterinarians that devote their lives to horses and the humans that love them. At Platinum Performance, we know the power of nutrition starts within. Hello to all of those joining us. I am Jesse Bengoa with Platinum Performance, and we are here today to talk about really an interesting subject. Um, and we have someone with us who happens to be one of the authority figures in the industry on this topic. And uh, I want to introduce you to her. So Dr. Amy Polks, welcome.
1: Thank you. So Great Dr- to be here.
0: Well, we're happy to have you. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Polks is um, a veterinarian, an equine veterinarian, uh, board certified in internal medicine. And she uh, is a ambulatory practitioner that consults with numerous practices up and down the East Coast in particular, um, and is a lecturer across the country to lend her expertise on this topic and many others. Uh, Dr. Polks's practice is equine internal medicine and diagnostic services um, and she's located in the Maryland, Virginia area. Um, and I'm so happy to have you here with us today because this topic is one that, you know, you would think there's a lot broader understanding. Um, But really, it's so nuanced, um, and you have spent so much of your career um, accumulating the subject matter knowledge in this, and I'm I'm eager for you to share it with myself and all of those listening and watching today, and that is specifically on cardiac function in cases of poor performance. So we're going to really break it down from the beginning on up um, and talk about the equine cardiovascular system and then how that plays through to our high-performance athletes and really some things that Dr. Polk's likes to make sure Uh, that she keeps close tabs on and likes to educate veterinarians and horse owners on the importance of related to cardiovascular health in these performance athletes. So um, Dr. Polks, I hope I did that topic justice in introducing (laughs) it. Um,
1: That was great, thank you.
0: It's a biggie. um, And I'm really excited for us to talk about it because it does have such a tremendous impact just as it does in human medicine. This is another area that has such amazing crossover, um, but the horse definitely has some some key differences in how this this system works. So Dr. Polks, first to kind of kick us off, uh, let's talk about the equine cardiovascular system and let's get a little bit of a lay of the land of what we're dealing with and what's so unique to the
1: horse. I mean, there's not, uh, the equine cardiovascular system is very similar to the human heart um, and Small animal, but it's uh, certainly on a larger scale. And due to that larger scale, there are they do have a propensity to sometimes get um, arrhythmias due to you know their enlarged cardiac size, especially with underlying disease. So it's more about the recognition of the importance of cardiac health in horses and how it relates to their everyday but also um, their performance especially in high performance animals and cardiac function just like it would be in an elite athlete you know the same idea
0: excellent so you know when the cardiovascular system you know when we're talking about that and how it, it interweaves into a horse's performance Can you kind of take us through some of the heart conditions on a high level, and then we'll dig down deep into some of those particular conditions? What are you dealing with? Sure. Field.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the most common thing that people would note um, on listening to a horse cardiac auscultation would be a murmur, and I think that the most important thing is understanding that not all murmurs are alike some murmurs are very important and we really need to do some further investigation. And there are other murmurs called flow murmurs that are just, um, due to the, again, large size of the heart and the vessels and just being able to hear blood flow, especially in times of, you know, exercise, uh, fever, colic, things like that. And so, um, I think the most common thing that people think about would be, you know, my horse has a murmur. And that is, you know, we have to take it from there. Well, where is the murmur? What does the murmur sound like? What grade is the murmur? We have a grading scale. And does this, is this there a concern related to it? So that's step one. And then the other is an arrhythmia. So the a murmur is just a disruption in the normal blood flow of the heart. So it's when blood is supposed to go in one direction, goes in another direction, and you can hear that vibration and blood flow. And an arrhythmia is a disruption in the electrical conduction of the heart. And that would be more akin to a heart attack. You know, those are like the devastating sudden events that most often occur with, um, you know, in these cases, it has to do with a rhythm disturbance in, in both humans and, and horses.
0: Definitely. So let's break it down a little bit. You know, you mentioned murmurs and that's obviously yep. a, a fairly more common occurrence. Um, so take us yep. through murmurs and, and educate us if yes. you were, a little bit on what, what absolutely you and what you are consulting with, with your partner veterinarians, um, on identifying these murmurs, classifying these murmurs and kind of deciding what's our next step.
1: That's great. So um, there's two types of murmurs. Systolic murmurs are a pumping phase murmur. So during the pumping phase of the heart cycle, diastolic murmur is during the filling phase of the cycle. So that's first sort of identifying is the murmur a pumping phase murmur or a filling phase murmur. And then there's the location of the murmur where we have the stethoscope on the chest lets us know where we are. Are we around the area on the left side of the heart? the uh, horse, you would have the aortic valve and the mitral valve, that's the left side of the heart. And then on the right side, we would mostly hear the tricuspid valve and the pulmonic valve and the horse's heart back to it being so big that if there's problems that are occurring on the right side, you oftentimes cannot hear them from the left side. So you really have to be um, very careful that you listen to both sides of the horse's heart. And I may say that a few times during this, because uh, <laughs> it's a very important feature. So first is, is the murmur a pumping phase, a systolic or a filling phase diastolic? And then it is, what does that murmur uh, sound like? And where is it the PMI, which is the point of maximal intensity? Where can we hear it the most? And is it um, a grade one, which would be barely can hear it? Grade two, yeah, I can hear it. Um, you know, regularly and, and uh, consistently, and then grade three and four, probably just a little bit of personal, but you can definitely hear it. You're not going to miss that murmur. And then on up to a five or a six and a six is what we call where they'll have what's called a palpable thrill where you could actually put your hand on the horse's chest and feel the vibration of the heart with the, with the blood flow. So that's a, you know, pretty significant murmur. Okay. So
0: Dr. Polks, you've covered grading, you know, from the more mild to the extremely severe, which would be more in that grade five and six range. So, you know, I guess it boils down to, so, so why do we care? I mean, some of that is obvious, but, but why is this such a concern in horses? What are we dealing with here in terms of the consequences of this abnormal blood flow?
1: Yeah. And, and that's really what it is. It's like, It's not just that they have a murmur and that the blood flow is flowing in the wrong direction. It is exactly what you said, the consequence of what that does to the heart. And when you have uh, blood flowing in the wrong direction, you can get enlargement of the heart. And with enlargement of the heart, where all the electrical conduction is, is in the heart uh, muscle wall. And so as that stretches, you can have abnormal rhythms. And it's, again, the arrhythmias that are probably more dangerous than the murmur itself. That's one thing. The other reason you would care would be with those murmurs, again, cause cardiac changes that can cause the heart to go into heart failure. And so obviously that's a significant consequence. So it's not just the blood is flowing in the wrong direction and we have a murmur. It is what it does to the heart that will eventually cause the major problem. And that's why, you know, we don't know, I can listen to a murmur and say, it sounds like a grade one or a grade two or a grade three, but until I actually look at it, Um, you know, on ultrasound and uh, do an echocardiogram, I can't really tell exactly what's going on and where the blood flow is, what's causing the blood flow and what the cardiac um, chamber sizes are, because that's the most important thing is, is what it's doing to the heart. So it's really critical that that's what we look at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the echocardiogram because I want to next ask you about, Diagnostics. So obviously, you know, your physical exam and your cardio exam starts with what you hear and what you feel and what you see. Um, but what do you do to take it a step further in terms of more advanced diagnostics?
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, we, we sort of have a classification. We say if it's a grade two or higher, we would recommend uh, advanced diagnostics. And the first thing we're going to start with would be to have somebody who is trained in cardiology and you know there there are many equine internal medicine specialists. Some of us um, are really have a passion for cardiology and do more cardiology than others. and so the first thing we're going to do is of course, listen to it and then we are going to do a, an ultrasound to look at the structure and function of the heart because that is, again, what is most important. So that's usually where we're And so um, we'll do that and do all the cardiac measurements and then decide from there, depending on what we see, are there further diagnostics that we need to do, including um, an ECG, an exercising ECG to see and make sure that the horse is safe. And that goes more into the rhythm category and the arrhythmia category. But sometimes just at rest, I can't a you know, horse may not have an arrhythmia, but if they have an enlargement of one of their chambers, like their left atrium or their left ventricle or their right atrium, anything like that, if you know just, just because they don't have an arrhythmia at rest doesn't mean they're not going to have one once they're exercising. So then we have to do an exercising ECG to uh, determine and make sure that they're safe.
0: So I've watched you do this and it is amazing. I mean, it's, it's very, um, it's another, yet another, uh, avenue of veterinary medicine where it makes me really proud of how far we've advanced as this industry, you know, and, and specialists like yourself, what you were able to attain in the field, um, is absolutely amazing. Uh, so walk us through that a little bit, that process, because I've watched you do a, a examine the barn aisle and then with that same horse go right out to the ring um, and do this exercising ECG and it's it's very interesting to watch the rider is an active part of it you've got your iPad in your hand um, and you can tell so much right there in the moment. so take us through what you're doing in that exam and then we'll go on to talk more about arrhythmias.
1: okay. Great, yeah. I mean, I think that um, advancements in technology have made it amazing for us to be able to do this out in the field, which is really important because, especially if someone is going to ride, and they we we need them to ride in their discipline. Sometimes we need a cross country course, or you know, jumps, or a dressage ring, or whatever it happens to be, to really get accurate information. And so. Um, so through the steps, you know, we can do the the echocardiogram, and it has an ECG attached, and can get really high quality images. I have a you know ultrasound machine that's meant for cardiology, and so we look at all of the heart, we look at every valve, we look at um, standard cardiac measurements, and anything that we um, may be concerned about, looking for changes in the cardiac wall size, et cetera. And then if we determine that we need to do an exercising ECG, um, there's a couple of different ways to do it and different um, apparatus and uh, machinery that does it. The TeleVet would be the most common. That's what, what I use, piece of equipment, I should have said. Now, that's what I use. And um, that is you put ECG leads on. Sorry, Matt, the problems. <laughs> you put ECG leads on and um, and you are able to real-time see the horse's ECG and then take them out and do run them through an exercising test and be able to determine is there... Um, appropriate for every level of exercise? Are there any arrhythmias of concern? Is there anything that we see? I mean, there there are some times when I will stop the exercising test because I see things that are concerning and I'm concerned for the, the rider. Other times we get all of the data, but then that data needs to be further analyzed after to really come up with a, a true diagnosis. Is the horse At this point in time, are we seeing any arrhythmias of concern? So that's what that looks like.
0: Sure. I mean, I I found it so fascinating when you were able to be out there doing that. One of the things I love about you um, that is so indicative of internal medicine specialists is that you work as a team with referring veterinarians, which is so nice because I think clients are innately trained to say, no, 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 this is my veterinarian right here. Um, Right. What's so nice is... Uh, you know, I've seen this in you throughout so many years. Is that you? You constantly make it clear that is your veterinarian, but I'm right here to support them as a specialist when needed. And it's so nice to know that there's people with those that that deep knowledge and those specialties that veterinarians can go to for uh, a second opinion, a deeper opinion, um, and somebody that can really help target and pinpoint these issues in the horse. So I think that's a, a really neat advancement in our field. Um, is that collegial relationship that you share.
1: Yeah, and I think you said it really well. And that's true because the veterinarian will hear the murmur and say, Now we need to look at it. We go and we assess it. And then we discuss with the veterinarian, because they're going to be the ones that are going to see the horse every day on emergency time after time. We do, we, you know, this isn't a one point in time kind of exam because the heart is changing and things are changing. So we may want to see that horse again in three to six months or six to 12 months or once a year or whatever it is that we deem you know appropriate for that case but we're in contact with the uh, referring veterinarian and primary care veterinarian just so that they know what's happening and they can also help to counsel the the owners and make decisions
0: 100% same as in human medicine with a general practitioner and a cardiologist so it works the same right. way um, and it's it's great i think it's something that that is such a benefit to our industry um, but you know, you mentioned the arrhythmias, and we've talked about the exercising ECG. Uh, but let's dive a little bit deeper into the arrhythmias because this is yet another fascinating area of equine cardiovascular health um, and one that can can stand to cause quite a few problems for horse and rider, um, if not properly identified and treated. So let's uh, start with you know arrhythmias, an irregular heartbeat. Um, Can you kind of take us through what we are dealing with in terms of arrhythmias, the different types, um, and what you're seeing in your patients?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, so arrhythmias are, again, just a rhythm disturbance um, away from normal. Now, one type of arrhythmias that are common in horses that's not a pathologic is what's called second-degree AV block, and it's basically they have very high vagal tone, and so some horses, when they have a very, they have a low heart rate they will actually drop a beat but if you take that horse and you just walk them up and down the aisle you raise their heart rate high enough that um it that will go away that um, instantly you can tell nope that was just second degree AV block very normal we hear it all the time and then you go into a higher degree AV block where they're dropping more than one beat at a time And, um, and then can get get into a period of time where if they were dropping long periods, so if you can imagine they're having a beat and then they're going a long period, you could have what we call a syncopal or fainting episode, of course. And if that's happening while they're standing there, that's very different than if it's happening while you happen to be riding them, you know, so that's, um, that's one type of arrhythmia. One of the most common types of arrhythmias in horses is um, atrial fibrillation. And that does have to do with, you know, horses have very large atria, they have a large heart And we can see atrial fibrillation from a variety of things, from if they have um, a murmur and they have blood flow leaking the wrong way. So every time blood is going from from the atria into the ventricle, you have a bunch of blood going back into the atria that will enlarge the atria. And over time, as that atria gets bigger and bigger, you can have a rhythm disturbance and they can go into atrial fibrillation. And there isn't a set point, like when the Atria is 14 centimeters. It will go. It's different for every horse. Um, Some horses can have atrial fibrillation due to um, other things like anesthesia, electrolyte imbalances. Um, It has been seen with some supplements, like supplements that are high in iodine or kelp. And so there are other things that can cause a rhythm disturbance, but atrial fibrillation would be one of the most common. And so instead of the atria contracting, they're basically just fibrillating. They're not completely contracting. Um, APCs, which are atrial premature contractions, is another common one. And sometimes we can see these uh, after exercise, a horse may have one or two, and that's Pretty much within normal, but if you're hearing a lot of them, that's not normal. So that's when you're getting an extra beat in. So instead of their heart just beating regularly, there's an extra little beat that comes in, and that's called an atrial premature contraction. And sometimes we're not sure why it happens, but there can be a problem in the atria, scarring or something that causes that that um, beat to reroute. Um, and you know, that's one thing that we may see. Uh, VPCs, ventricular premature contractions, those are coming from the ventricle, the bottom portion of the heart. And those are a bit more concerning. Those are more related to some of these sudden death events and, um, you know, things that we're we're quite concerned about. horses can get VPCs, ventricular premature contractions again from enlargement of the left ventricle. The most common would be um, from aortic regurgitation, which we see tend to see in older horses. So that's a a diastolic murmur. And um, every time blood is supposed to go from the left ventricle out the aorta, it's coming back into the left ventricle and over time it gets big. And so um, we can see that. The question is, you can sometimes in a normal ECG have a couple of BPCs, but when you have many and you have um, enlargement of the left ventricle, those are concerns where we may say this horse is unsafe to ride. And um, I definitely would like to talk about safety after I you know, talk about this. And then there's other things like um, sinus tachycardia, which just means a normal beat, but it's happening very, very fast. And sometimes that can be from external factors, pain, colic, dehydration, all those kinds of things where there's not actually something wrong with the electrical conduction of the heart, but that it's just beating too fast. And the same thing with um, you can have a ventricular tachycardia. So there's all ways that the rhythm can be disturbed, but it's understanding and identifying what exactly is happening. And, One of the really important things that I always tell veterinarians is that you have to listen for a full minute because sometimes if you just stick the stethoscope on and listen quickly, you might catch a murmur because that's happening with every beat, but an arrhythmia doesn't always happen with every beat. And so if you're not listening for a full minute, you could miss an arrhythmia. If you just listen to two beats and it's happening on the seventh beat, you know, you may miss one. So it's really important to really listen to them for, you know, a good minute and make sure that you listen to both sides of the chest, et cetera.
0: That is an excellent point and probably one that that is um needed, you know, out there to make sure that you are dedicating that time to listen to that. And you know, as you were talking, I have a, a follow-up question on that. So these arrhythmias can be isolated electrical disorders, but they can also occur as secondary factors, correct? Right.
1: Yes. So that's the thing is they they can occur um, because of if they have a murmur and changes in the, the chamber size, then you can get an arrhythmia, but they can also occur with, as I said, electrolyte disturbances, some, you know, supplements, um, you know any number of things a viral infection you know anything that's affecting the the heart muscle where the electrical conduction is happening you can have scarring you can have a tumor i mean there's there's all kinds of things that can happen and that's why even when they have an arrhythmia we recommend doing a cardiac ultrasound the echocardiogram because we need to look at the structure of the heart to understand if we can see something that tells us why they're having the arrhythmia. We can't always, but that's something that we look at, and we're we're you know ultimately trying to determine whether the horse is um, safe, right? Sure. Safe to ride for itself and for the rider.
0: Yeah, and it's probably this is this is probably one of the ma- many areas where it comes in handy to have the horse's history um, and to know what pharmaceuticals they've been on because it can occur correct as a as a side effect of certain pharmaceuticals as well.
1: Yeah, it can. And I think, you know, it is, I always want to know in these cases, pretty much everything that the horse is getting, you know, their feed, their supplements, their medications, any changes, have they had surgery recently, you know, any of those things to try to figure out if we can determine where it's coming from. And is it, you know, uh, arrhythmias can sometimes be transient. There's something called paroxysmal atrial fibrillation. That could be really difficult because if they're not always in atrial fibrillation, but say they have atrial fibrillation while they're running a race, you know, that's um, not a great thing and that could be really difficult. And so we are constantly looking at ways to better monitor and be able to monitor horses to look for these changes.
0: Absolutely. And you know, you did, you did mention the safety aspect of it. And you and I have talked about this quite a bit. But I want you to walk us through that if you can, because it really is, it's a serious situation. And it's one that definitely requires uh, the appropriate amount of attention to make sure that you are avoiding a potentially catastrophic issue with the horse and with the rider. So walk
1: us through that and why you are so passionate about that yeah i mean uh you know i the acbim came up with a con, uh, consensus statement of some of the biggest cardiology experts in our field um and it's almost 10 years old now but it's still quite relevant and it's a really really good article for people to read because it walks through all of these, um, you know, aspects, everything that we just talked about, but it also talks about wh- how we as veterinarians determine, do we think this horse is safe to ride? And and it is controversial. There's not one answer all the time. Sometimes it's extremely clear cut. The horse has lots of VPCs, let's say, and, and all of us would say they're not safe, safe to ride, but there are other ones that are You know, sometimes people have different opinions as to whether they think the horse is safe or not. And one thing we do say with any cardiac disease is that it should be an informed adult. And so that we shouldn't have child riders on these horses that don't understand the risk or, you know, maybe can't mitigate that or get off quickly or whatever it is. And so we say an informed adult should be on a horse that we know has any underlying um, cardiac uh, disease. And so that's the big thing is the the safety and and the difficulty is that it is a one point in time. So when I'm doing an exercising ECG, it is that day that I'm doing it. So it's very difficult to know, do we come back every six months? Do we come back every year? And we just try to do our due diligence and look and monitor them as best as we can. But without doing an ECG every single time you ride, you know, are there there could be risks. And if it seems like we're worried enough that I'm gonna be concerned every time someone gets on the horse, my personal opinion would be that the horse is probably not safe to ride. But, but there are arrhythmias and that are okay. Like I'll take atrial fibrillation, for example. Those horses, you may just have to repurpose what the horse was doing. Maybe if it was a high level event horse, now it can do dressage and it does fine at dressage, but not going over big fences. And so sometimes it's not a matter of, yes, we can ride or no, we can't, but we may need to repurpose. Sometimes we do need to retire. And sometimes they can go on and do their career, and we're just monitoring them very, very closely. But I think that the first step is that someone has to be listening carefully to the heart. In my opinion, at least twice a year, maybe more for those um, for those uh, you know performance horses, because if you don't listen, you'll never know. And if you don't listen and pick something up, we won't know to even look at the heart. So it's very, very important that we make sure that cardiac health is part of the general exam on a regular basis.
0: Absolutely. I think that makes so much sense. There's so much crossover with what you see in humans, you know, these same atrial fibrillation and these same conditions, but it seems like that is why it is so necessary to get a good baseline and then follow up, you know, and continue these examinations. And, you know, you'll, you'll know from human cardiac medicine, Um, Those examinations can get less frequent if the horse proves to not be as much of a problem as thought, but it is really a good idea to stay in touch with the veterinarian um, and make sure that horse is being examined on a regular basis until it's deemed to be, you know, safe.
1: Um, right. And we can't, we can't predict progression and it's only by looking. And Mm -hmm. I have followed some horses years without them progressing. And I've had other horses that within six months they've progressed and we can't predict that we need time points. We need data to understand and to be able to, um, you know, inform the people that are training and riding to make sure that everybody's safe, including the horse.
0: And we have that technology and we have that know-how now, which is we such do. a great advancement. It's a positive, and it's something that you sure wish um, you know up front versus, versus right. after there's an incident. So it's a it's a positive thing that this is out there and that there's people like you who are stewarding um, the specialty because uh, it's so necessary.
1: Yeah. And we, we also, um, there are things that, that owners can do. So if I have if I identified a horse with a problem, I will sometimes recommend that they get, there's like a... polar horse monitor is one. There's other ones where they can actually put it on their girth and they can be monitoring their horse's heart rate, let's say. I also encourage owners to get a stethoscope and listen to be familiar with what their horse's heart sounds like in case they have any changes. Not not that they're going to do the whole exam or anything like that, but sometimes, you know, in performance horses, they get really comfortable with, wow, you know what, when my horse is at a trot, he shouldn't have a heart rate of 200 and something is wrong, you know? And so that can help them to alert their veterinarian or me or any other person who's doing equine cardiology that, wow, we need to, we need to look at this. So I think we do have to make owners part of the equation and when we can and let them help with the monitoring and they really they're very good they know their horses they know when something's not right but if they get get comfortable with what their horse is doing and something is off they can alert somebody to come look Absolutely. Because we can't be there every day.
0: (laughs) No, you know, as much as we wish you were. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, the more information, the better in this area, you know, and so um, a a team approach, a care team approach in veterinary medicine is usually the best way to go in all facets. um, But especially when we're dealing with the heart, you know, and something that can potentially be a major issue. So, um, you know, one thing I'm thinking as we're sitting here talking is, you know, take me through a day in the life, if you will, Um, but on diagnostics. So if you get a case in front of you um, and you are doing a cardiac workup on that case, what does that look like? You know, paint us a picture so we can understand. We've talked about the specifics of it, but from the first time that you visualize that horse and you put your hands on that horse, what are you doing start to finish during that appointment?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, um, I usually first, um, come in, examine, just uh, talk to the owner, examine the horse. Some of the things that I'm looking for are are history. You know, when, when did you get the horse? How long have you had the horse? Has this murmur ever been, you know, heard before? If it has, when, you know, just trying to get any kind of historical information so we can understand when a murmur or an arrhythmia started. And sometimes there isn't, and sometimes there is, you know, information like that. And then I also get just general information on the horse. Is the horse performing well? Because, you know, a lot of times there isn't um, necessarily a performance issue that people relate to the heart, you know? So, well, you know, they are, you know, not um, so forward anymore when I'm riding them, or you know they seem winded after we're riding or these things. And it can or cannot be related to the heart, of course. But so I try to get a really good history on any concerns, current concerns with the horse. I also ask about diet, supplements, medications. And then I uh, do a full cardiac exam on the horse. I always record their um, sounds so that I know if I need to go back, if I'm, you know, didn't hear something this time or something that time. And then we talk about what diagnostics would be appropriate based on my auscultation. You know, do we go ahead and do the complete echocardiogram, which again is generally indicated, So that's what we would start with. We would do an, an entire um, cardiac exam. And then if it is um, necessary to do the exercise in ECG, we finish with the ultrasound and we put the um, equipment on and we either ride or lunge the horse. It's usually about a 30 minute exercising ECG. And then when we are all done with that, then that information um, is saved on an SD card. And then that um, can be evaluated further for any you know, uh, cardiac changes and arrhythmias that we're concerned about. And that's kind of what it looks like. What labs are you pulling? Um, So, you know, depending, sometimes if it's been a poor performance case, they've had a lot of blood work done. The only time I'm really pulling anything specific cardiology would be if I'm pulling a um, troponin, which would be for the cardiac muscle to see if they've had any kind of damage to their heart. And that would be more associated with an arrhythmia. So I might pull a troponin for that case, or if they are an ongoing cardiac case and we are using drugs because there are drugs that we can give them, bonazeprol is probably the most common and um, that then I might be periodically checking their kidney values. So things like that, but there's not very specific anything that I'm looking at other than a troponin when it's appropriate.
0: Is there anything from standard labs that you're looking at that may have been pulled by the by the referring veterinarian?
1: Not it. Well, it all depends only if if there's a murmur that's associated with an illness, like if they have a fever or something like that and we're worried about um, endocarditis, which I didn't really talk about, but that would be an infection on the valve very uncommon, which is good because it doesn't always have a great prognosis. But in those cases, I'm a lot more interested in the lab work. I think it is very important to always have basic blood work on the horse. But as as part of my general cardiac exam, I am not always doing a basic CBC and chem. Oftentimes that's already been done by the primary care veterinarian. Um, So I I wouldn't say that was a direct part of my cardiac exam.
0: So Dr. Polk's, why this? Why cardiology? Why, why is that an area that you have pointed so much of your time and attention and career toward um, in internal medicine? I know so much of it fascinates you, but cardiology really has well, that's a no, no pun intended. It really has your heart. Really
1: funny. I was just at the ACVIM meeting and some of my colleagues and I were talking about where our interests were and how we ended up doing. And I think a lot of it is, um has to do with my mentors and the my mentors, when I did my residency at University of Florida, were very interested in cardiology and it got me interested in cardiology. And so I did additional training um, during my residency and um, I uh, did some training with Celia Mar at the Royal Veterinary College. And then I just sort of continued on and I still do. I still do. Um, you know, new Bolton center puts on cardiology courses for internal medicine specialists like me who have an interest in cardiology. And we're still always learning and getting, you know, trying to improve our skills and our knowledge and going deeper and deeper and deeper in our understanding and our skills at this, cause it's, it's not easy. And, um, but i think it it really was goes back to my residency and when you see somebody else that's so passionate about something it makes you passionate and then it just really carried through and i i love it and i have just a really big interest in it and how it impacts the horse even even in help you know what these horses what these horses look like in health as well. Oh no, did I lose you? Totally. No, not,
0: yeah, I've got you right here, your AirPods. That's always a pleasure, right? Oh, oh my God, okay. You know, it's, it's, in, it's awesome. In health, yeah. You never have to, you know, veterinarians like you, you never have to wonder if you make an impact every day, right? This is This is such an important area of medicine and it's one that requires some specialized knowledge in a case that needs it. Um, And so I think that's, I think that's amazing. And in your area in the East Coast, there are so many extraordinary veterinarians. But what I find really fascinating and admirable is that you have created this practice that works so seamlessly with so many of them. Um, But you really carved out a niche in the way that you are an ambulatory practitioner that consults with so many of these practices um, and you were you're you're kind of a member of the team of a lot of different veterinary hospitals back east. Tell me a little bit about that because your practice is very unique
1: <laughs> Thank you yeah I mean I, I would say that that's something that I really really love. I mean one difference when you're at a university you have um, colleagues all around you right you have other internal medicine people you have surgeons you have you know and when you're out yourself in practice, you want to have some camaraderie with other people. And so it is amazing to me, you know, all the people that I work with and all the different practices and in so many different ways from, you know, people who have their own practice to people who are part of big referral centers. And um, I really value all of those relationships and all of their support and um, and being part of the team and it it has been a really unique experience it it does make for a lot of travel and driving but um but it it shows you like and you touch so many different areas and so many different practices and ways people do things and um and i also just think personal relationships i've become very good friends with a lot of the people i work with and um i it has completely changed you know my career and how i work and um i i love it and these these people are wonderful to work with all of them
0: well you're so widely known and and widely respected and uh, it's funny i i I talked to, I think it was Dr. Chad Davis, and I said, "Hey, Dr. Davis, we're headed back to the East Coast." And he goes, "I know." I was like, "Stalker?" How do you know? And he goes, "Well, Amy Puls happens to be a good friend of mine. I know you're coming."
1: That's (laughs) what I mean. A lot of these people, they end up really becoming your friends. They're more than just colleagues. They they become your friends, and you know, you work with them for a really long time, and um, and. People are always thankful also to have, a, you know, a lifeline, somebody that they can call even on a Sunday or something like, can you please help me out here? Nobody ever wants to feel alone. And so um, I, I try to do that and um, and I feel like I'm very rewarded for it because of, you know, all the great relationships I have with everybody.
0: Well, it's amazing. It's an area that has a lot of cl- close knit relationships with the veterinarians yes. that benefits the horse, right? I mean, in the end, that's yes. what it comes down to: is the horse and its rider. And I think that you and so many of your colleagues in your area do such a tremendous job of keeping that central. You know, of of keeping that. Uh, really is the main focus. So um, I know yes. that a, a major pleasure of of mine to be able to see you at work in the field um, and to be able to hear from you today on this topic, because it is one that's so important on the on on the severe side of it. It has the potential um to to really impact lives in a negative way and so i think that having people out there like you who are really advocating to do the work up front and to make sure these horses are seen and heard and examined properly Um, to avoid those potentially catastrophic situations Um, and on the less severe side just to make sure that they're getting the support that they need and they're in the right level of work and they're in the right job. Um, Most of the horses out there are are a-okay but for those that do need assistance it's great that that veterinarians like you are there to provide those specialized diagnostic services, um, your experience, and to make sure that they're getting the treatment that they need for, for their various cardiac um, disorders. So it was yes. a pleasure to hear from you today, Dr. Polks. I'm so glad that you joined. Thank you. Me. Absolutely. Well, um, and for those of, of you listening and viewing, we really appreciate you being here with us to hear this content. We hope you join us for the next one and join me in thanking Dr. Polks.
1: Take care. Thank of you so much, Jesse.
0: Bye-bye.